when every activity pretty much ceased to operate in Jerusalem, for that matter, all of, uh, all of, of Israel. Uh, and then the Passover week passes, and, and there is Sunday, the first day of the week. During the Passover week, there could have been two Sabbaths, oddly enough, because the day of Passover was always a Sabbath day. But it's Nisan 15 in the Jewish calendar, and it could be any day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, whatever day. And then there would have been the regular Passover, or the regular Sabbath, which is always on Saturday. Uh, the Jewish calendar and the, the, the uh, Roman calendar do not always coincide. This year, they do coincide. This last week uh, began the Passover week for the Jews, and this next week will be the week of unleavened bread for the Jews. So yesterday was the Passover for Jews. Uh, that week, Nisan 15th, the year that Jesus died, is generally thought of to have been on Friday, and then Nisan 16 would have been Saturday, and Nisan 17 would have been the first day of the week. So this particular religious holiday is actually verifiable. It's we know when the dates are. This is the day the Lord lives. This is the day he was raised from the dead. That week, and that Friday when he died, as we said, is good for us, but it wasn't good for him. It was the hour of darkness and pain. Jesus would tell the mob that came to the garden that day, as we read from, the, uh, from Luke's account, that it was the hour when darkness ruled. Luke 22, verse 52. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers, of the temple and, and, and elders who had come out against him. Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. I want us to spend some time today thinking about Gethsemane, where Jesus was. And I want us to spend the time there because that is the place and the time that Jesus won his victory over Satan. Yes, it was his sacrifice on the cross that paid the price of sin so that you and I can live and have the hope of everlasting life. But it was in Gethsemane that Jesus struggled to complete the course, to finish the task for which he came. It was in Gethsemane where Jesus struggled not really wanting to go to the cross, as no one would. It was there that he prayed, God, is there some other way, yet not my will, but yours be done? 
that was the time that he struggled with finishing the course. The prayer was, yet not my will, but yours be done. You know, it's odd. The, the Bible begins in the garden. Uh, talked about that this morning uh, in the auditorium. In the Garden of Eden. That's where Adam and Eve sinned. Sin entered the world and consequently death, separation from God, entered the world. The Bible also ends in a garden. Uh, the garden is in heaven where the river of life flows and on either side of the river of life there is the tree that bears fruit, the, the, the tree of life that bears fruit year round, 12 different crops of fruit. The curse of sin is gone. But in the middle, the middle of the expanse of our world, there is the other garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means olive press. That's what the word Gethsemane means. Uh, it's a garden, but not like we would, flowers weren't planted there. There wasn't a crop of vegetables growing there, as we might think of. It was an olive grove. And in almost all olive groves, as was in this one, there would have been an olive press where the olives were crushed to extract their oil. The oil from olive is used for a number of different things. Uh, it's used as a flavoring. Uh, you dip your bread in it or, or pour it over your salad uh, as a, a, a flavor enhancer to other foods. Uh, sometimes it's used as an ingredient. You put it in f with flour to make bread, or uh, you fry in it to fry your food. It's an oil. But it was also used in lamps to give light. It would burn. Uh, it was used as a medicine to pour over wounds to inhibit the, the growth of, of bacteria or, or germs. In the temple... The oil was used to <coughs> light the lights there so that in the temple, the menorah, the lampstand would, would burn and burn always as a symbol of the light of God, the light of knowledge. Before the olive would give its oil, however, to be used in anything, the olive had to be crushed. Just like grain is crushed before it can be flour and make bread, our grapes are crushed before it can give its juice to make wine, the olive is crushed to give its oil. And Jesus was crushed to make the provisions for our salvation, not only for ours, but for those of all mankind and so Gethsemane is a place where the crushing began, where the pain for the Son of God began. <clears throat> Isaiah would wrote centuries before about the Messiah. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he 
has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. It was in, it was in Gethsemane that Jesus felt the weight of what was before him. It was the crushing that he anticipated there that Jesus prayed about in the garden. Three times he prayed for this crushing not to happen. Three times he asked God, if there's some other way that I would not have to drink this bitter cup before me. Three times he asked, is there some other way that humankind might be saved so that I would not have to go to the cross? That I would not have to see the cruelties that people can give to other people, that Satan wants to give me. But Jesus would have to drink the cup. That is, if you and I would have salvation. So the cross is where the wrath of God was poured from that cup. You see, God's justice requires punishment. There's all kinds of evil in this world, and the evil has to be punished. And the punishment of God, because of the love and mercy of God, rested on his own son, so that you and I might be forgiven our iniquities, our sins, our shortcomings, our profanities and blasphemies and rejections, we might have salvation. Jesus drank that cup. Now all who want to be saved can be saved. All sin is atoned at the cross. Even for the worst of sinners, the adulterers, the, the, the rapists, the murderers, anyone, there is no sin greater than the mercy of God. Doesn't really matter what it was or is in your life. All of us can be forgiven because His blood was shed for us. It was on the cross that Jesus himself was cursed so that you and I might be blessed. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. Time on the cross for Jesus meant a separation between Jesus and God. You know, I, I really believe that that's what Jesus feared more than anything else. The pain, 
it, Jesus and the Son and God the Father had been united from, well, forever. They'd never been separated, never apart. I don't think we can fully understand how that separation deeply hurt Jesus and God the Father. We might catch a glimpse of that as we remember the words that Jesus spoke on the cross when he cried out in his anger, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The first time ever they had not been united. Because now Jesus carries the weight of our sins on himself. And there he dies. One of the ways that the punishment in hell is described is that we are shut out from the presence of God in 2 Thessalonians. Shut out, separated from God. So when Jesus bore all of our sins, then Golgotha must have been truly hell for Jesus. That cup must have been extremely bitter to drink. In Gethsemane, Jesus is on his knees and he is deeply troubled, vexed to his soul because he knows what is coming and the separation that is coming, the, not the pain of the nails, pain of the separation. The worst thing about the cross was not the nine hours of agony, physical pain, but the separation from God the Father that he endured for you and me. Before we could be saved, Jesus had to be condemned. During that day, the record tells us that the sun even refused to shine. The Lord hung on the cross, and darkness prevailed. Figuratively, and that it was the hour of darkness, but literally, because the sun refused to shine, it must have been horrible. Some years later, the writer of Hebrews would write in Hebrews 5, verse 7, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from the death. And he was heard because of his reverence. In the garden, Jesus prayed, crying out to his Father. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. But he was obedient. He followed through with the plan. He died on the cross, obedient even to the point of death. I want you to remember Gethsemane. I want you to remember what it cost our Lord. And I want you to take four things home today. I want you to take these points home from Gethsemane. The story of Gethsemane is of a God saying no 
to Jesus so he could say yes to you. The cross isn't something that Jesus wanted to do. The cross took everything from Jesus, but through it, he gave us much more. You see, we live in a world, we ourselves, we live in the smell of sin. We wallow in sin. We live in sin. And so we don't think of it as being that bad because that's who we are. That's what mankind is. And the stench of sin can only be removed, and quite well, by the stream of God's grace that flowed from Golgotha, from the cross. But that stream of grace that frees us from sin started with the tears that fell from Jesus and Gethsemane as great drops of blood. The press that began that river of life began in Gethsemane in the way Jesus felt. The story of Gethsemane tells us just how much we are loved. There God would say no to his own son so he could make us his own children. Jesus said it best when Jesus said, For God so loved the world, that's you and me, we sinners, that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That giving we see in Gethsemane. Jesus knows better than any one of us what it means to be told no by his Father. Jesus heard no because God loves us that much. Jesus heard no so that God could reach out and save us. Jesus heard no so that we could hear yes. The third thing. The story of Gethsemane challenges us to get on the other side of yet, or nevertheless, depending on what translation you have. You see, we all have our Golgothas. If you're a disciple of the Lord, you will have a Golgotha, maybe even many in your life. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Lift up your cross. That that you're going to sacrifice for your, your, your life. 
Following Jesus means we're going to have to give up something. It's easy to follow when it doesn't cost us anything. It's convenient. It's easy. It's, it's, it's pleasant. As long as somebody else is paying the price. <laughs> you, know, you know, somebody has tickets to a show. How much? Well, if somebody else, yeah, I'll go if, nobody, if somebody else is paying the price. If I have to pay the price, well, I've got to think about it. It's easy to vote for the will of God. Not cost him anything. Or, or it's easy to proclaim the will of God, to teach the will of God, as long as I don't have to give up anything to do that. Easy within the confines of other believers. As long as it doesn't cost me anything, as long as somebody else is paying the price, it's easy. But it gets much harder when it's a personal sacrifice. If proclaiming Christ means I'm going to have to give up my job, or somebody's going to be mad at me, or hurl a stone at me, or an accusation at me. If following Jesus means... It's going to interrupt my schedule, my easy life. It means I'm going to experience a Golgotha moment. How can I get to the other side of yet? No, that means, nevertheless, Lord, or not my will, but yours be done. I don't want to do that, God. But nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I don't want to have to face that criticism, Lord. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. How often are we in our Golgotha struggling, struggling under the weight of the burden that we're bearing. And we remember the first half of the prayer of Jesus, God, take this cup from me. And we quit praying right there. God, I don't want to relieve me. Give me an escape. Some way or another, I don't want to do this. Help me out, Lord. Protect me. Solve my problem. Relieve my burden. We need to get on the other side of yes. Not my will, but yours be done. The story of our salvation depended on Jesus getting to the other side of yet. If he had stopped, remove this cup. We wouldn't be here today or at least not saved from sin. Jesus got on the other side of yet. Not my will, but yours be done. Behind every advancement of the kingdom of God, there is a sacrifice from someone. What blessings do we lose because we stop at yet. 
Remove this from me, God. And we never get to thy will be done. What opportunities do we miss? What advancements of the kingdom of God do we miss because we cannot get to the other side of yet? We are so comfortable and we don't want the pain. We don't want the problem. We don't want the burden. And so we say, God, remove the burden. God, remove the pain. Remove the... And we cannot get to, nevertheless, Lord, not my will but yours be done. Sacrifices are never easy. That's why they're called sacrifices. If they were easy, it wouldn't be a sacrifice. If it doesn't cost, if it doesn't hurt, if it's not a cross, then it's not a sacrifice. Gethsemane teaches us to get beyond the yet, or the nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And Gethsemane teaches us that the bridge between knowing the will of God and doing the will of God is crossed on our knees. Jesus spent the night in prayer on his knees or prostrate, whatever his physical, he prostrated himself on the ground. The disciples slept. Jesus prayed. The mob came and they ran. Jesus prayed. The will of God confirmed in him. The spirit, or the disciples, well, the spirit was willing, but their flesh was weak. They'd spent the night sleeping instead of praying. Jesus was strengthened when he prayed. Sometimes it's difficult to know what God wants us to do, but more often than not, clarity of God's will is not the real battle because usually we know what God wants from us. Usually knowing the will is easy to know. It's we just don't want to pay the price. We don't have the strength to pay the price. We're more concerned with ourselves or our our life. The battle is our willingness to obey God's will. Our battle is getting beyond the yet. I know what you want me to do, God, but, but I don't want to do that. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Luke tells us that Jesus prayed to the Father and an angel came and ministered to him and strengthened him. Luke 22, strengthened him because of his prayer. Luke 22, verse 24, or 43. Saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, or yet, not my will, but yours be done. 
there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Sometimes the answer that God gives to us in our prayers is not to deliver us. Not to remove the affliction. Not to remove Golgotha, the cross. But to strengthen us so that we can face the cross. Even Jesus needed strength. God gave it to him. There will be days when we need strength to obey the will of God. The only way to bridge that, that absence of, of personal strength between knowing what the will of God is and doing the will of God is in prayer. Gethsemane teaches us that when heaven does not deliver us from what we fear, heaven will stand with us to face our Golgotha, our fear, our pain, our burden, our agony. Heaven will give us the strength to obey God's will. And so today, what we need, or what I want us to do is pray, every one of us, that we can get to the other side of yet so that we will do the will of God. Even the hard, even the painful, that we can carry our cross. That we can address that person who hurt us and renew that relationship. Or that we can empty the refrigerator or the pantry or the trunk of our car of whatever the addiction is. We might become generous to God instead of self-serving. We may need to call or text that person to end an inappropriate relationship. We already know that it's wrong. But we've got to get beyond the yet. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. We all know of things that we need to stop doing to be obedient to the will of God. We all know things that we need to start doing to be obedient to the will of God. We all need to get to the other side of yet. We need to see sobriety. We need to see the joy of giving. We need to see the, the, the blessings of a faithful life before God. We need to see the obedience of righteousness. Help from God will enable us to die to self so that we can live to heaven, to Jesus. 
Let's be standing. We're going to sing a song of praise to God. And while we're, while we're doing that, what you may do is just, you may want to pray personally right now to your, between you and God and pray that God will give you the ability to say, Yes, Lord, I will, I will do your will. Pray that God will help you get beyond your sin, your addiction, your burden, and carry that cross. Maybe you want some of us to pray with you. Some of our elders will be in the foyers. Uh, the wives of some uh, uh, will be there as well. They'll pray with you if you want us to pray with Or some of us will be at the front. We'll pray with you as well. That you can get beyond the, the yet. And say, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Maybe you're here today, and, and today is the day that you want to say, Yes, Lord, I want to be your disciple. I want to turn my back to sin. I want to be buried with Jesus in baptism for the remission of my sins. I want to proclaim, I believe that He is the Christ, God's Son. Whatever we can do to help you this morning, we want to do that. We encourage your response while we praise God in song.